what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Brothers in Tech is a weekly podcast focused on personal and home technology, helping provide you, our fellow brothers and sisters in tech, with some information, assistance, and recommendations. We love talking about home automation and smart homes here on Brothers in Tech, but be warned, this episode we take it a bit further. We talk about ways to incorporate more devices into your smart home system, but to do so requires going under the hood and may involve some light coding. If this sounds up your alley, join us for this week's Brothers in Tech. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Brothers in Tech here on the Mesh.tv. Alan Jackson, Brian Jackson, right here, side by side. See, we've got this down. We are, yeah. we yeah. are video pros now. We are video podcasting pros. At this Should point. we go back to audio now? Is that, I mean, <laughs> we, have we conquered <laughs> this or what? <laughs> I think we just ditch it. We just go straight back to audio now. From here on now. <laughs> no, but, keep challenging uh, ourselves. That's right. Brian Jackson, Alan Jackson, uh, brothers in tech here. Uh, we get together about every week. Pretty we consistently, to. We and to. talking uh, technology, but we talk home and family, personal technology. You don't get into a lot of enterprise and uh, big corporate technology, but we talk about the technology that you use or could use on a on, in your everyday life, or your family could use, or you could find in your home. Technology that we kind of uh, spend a lot of time focusing on ourselves and working on trying to get better with and and making uh, having more use for, and. Uh, Brian, I'm going to go ahead and say that today's episode or tonight's episode is going to be a little different. Normally, we like to cover a topic and say, all right, we're just going to learn all about this topic or we're going to explore this type of technology and help people understand what it is and how you can use it. This episode, uh, uh, is it okay, Brian, if I get just a little a little geekier, like a little, little more detailed than normal, a little more in-depth than normal? So let me let me just change your premise there, where you say normally we like to do things. Maybe we say normally we like to do things where all of you will be really interested in what we're talking about. Okay, that's and fair. today today Alan come, came up with a topic, so we have no clue as to whether or not anyone is going to be interested in this. Yes, this will be okay. this will be an episode that appeals to a, an audience of possibly one, me. Maybe uh, yeah, right. Maybe. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking. I'm thinking. You're rethinking it right now as well. So no, no. I say, still okay. Hey, you're in. I still. You're in. I still love talking about this stuff. So even okay. if it's just me that's getting something out of it, Brian, I'm. I'm okay with that. <laughs> um, we are going to get a little detailed on something. So I just, I'm giving permission to people that like. Look, if you if you watch or listen, and you just want to kind of learn some basics of different types of technology and get some of the definitions down or understand what things can do. This is going to go a lot deeper than that. There's going to be, there's actually going to be screens of code involved. It's Ooh. going to get pretty deep, but I think the overall idea of what we're going to talk about is still going to be pretty interesting. Um, so in is this, depth, is this, deep is this interesting, here. interesting as in your, your love for like backup you know, for the episode we had before. No, this or isn't interesting. Close to backup. No, this isn't. This isn't not a nearly as interesting as back, backup. This isn't oh, okay. a passion of mine like back backing up strategies mm. are. This is going to be a little different. Right. Um, buckle this up, is about, buckle up, fans. Buckle up. <laughs> <Here we go. laughs> this is uh, this is going to be continuing. We talked a lot about home automation over the time. It seems to be kind of a recurrent theme we like to get into as, as we talk about home and personal tech. Home automation is a big big element of that. So we're going to talk about extending 
your home automation capabilities by welcoming in devices or pieces of electronics that may uh, may not be meant for what you're trying to do, but there are ways to turn it into part of your smart home setup. So, Brian, let me uh, the best way I can explain this. Let me let me back up a little bit. I am a HomeKit user. Okay, I have adopted the HomeKit home automation, um, you know, fr- main ma- uh, framework mm-hmm. as what I want to use in my home. So, anytime I go out and buy a device that I want to use in my home. In my smart home setup, I am looking for a home kit. That is Apple's version of home automation. It has to have the little home kit icon on the box to let me know this is something I can use with home kit. Right. And I think there's a lot of people out there. If you're an Apple or Mac user, especially if you're an iPhone user and you're just kind of, it makes it so easy to use that iOS, that, that platform to turn on home automation. I see a lot of people are probably very tempted to just kind of stay in that, that neighborhood if they can. But I walk into a store, I walk into a Best Buy or some other electronic store, tons of home automation devices everywhere. Switches, light bulbs, uh, security cameras, you got all these things. The number of times, uh, the number of times you see the little home kit icon on it, it's pretty slim. Hmm. Because Alexa and Google are kind of the two big platforms that all of these manufacturers are going to make stuff for. So it can be a little frustrating for somebody like me who I really want everything to work with HomeKit, but I see some like either less expensive devices I want to use. I see a better variety. There are some devices that just, there is no HomeKit compatible version of it. So it's disappointing. Yeah. Um, the other Alan, side, do you think, just real quick, is that the, yeah. is, is that Apple, acting the same way it does with its phone to be able to mm-hmm. not open it up for lots of different people. So they're, they're really being protective as to who, yeah. who jumps into this space with them. Right. Well, I get the uh, impression it's kind of a, they have a, a certain set of standards that have to be met by the device. And then also uh, adherence to Apple's policies and, and approval process, which are going to be possibly a little more stringent or strict yeah, yeah. Um, than others. That's what I've heard. Maybe the licensing, I don't know if the, the cost to license the home kit is, is more prohibitive as well. Hmm. And plus, I mean, to be honest, I mean, even though Apple has obviously continued to grow and hold a pretty good market share, there's still a lot more non-Apple devices than there are Apple devices out there. So if you're going to yep. kind of swing for the fences and try to get a, a platform that's going to be the most universal, I mean, Google and, and uh, Amazon kind of, are taking that path. So, so that's one, one situation that I was looking to resolve. And I've got a solution for that for people who want to bring other smart devices into their home kit network, uh, without them being home kit native compatible. Okay. The other side of the coin, Brian is we all have some technology laying around. I'm I've got one right over my shoulder, a projector in my, in my den here that does not work with any smart home technology. It works with a traditional old remote control and it's an IR infrared remote control to it. So that's the only way you can communicate with it. There's no built-in smarts on it to tie it into Alexa or Google or HomeKit or any of that. So that's yet another category of devices that we kind of have kind of had to say, well, that's not going to work with our home kit, our, our home setup and so be it. Well, there's actually ways to build that those kind of products in too. Um, 
I'm going to get a little crazy and talk about how you can do both at the same time. But I think both scenarios may have some applicability to people watching or listening. If you're still with me at this point, I don't know if anybody's still watching. Um, well, we may have lost the one or two that actually did join us to begin right. with, but, um, Sorry about but that. I'm, I'm with you. I'm Brian, with you. I'm just gonna talk I mean, to as you. much as I'm, okay. as much as I normally listen to you, I'm, I'm listening about All that right. same amount right now. I would expect nothing more, but um, that, let me just, let me just clarify. So real quick, you're saying you've got some devices like your projector that, you know, you can't just plug into a smart, um, a smart outlet and have it turn on because that just provides power. It doesn't necessarily start it up, right? It's got some things, some features that will need some additional like remote control action yeah. for it to be able to happen, right? That's right. So okay. good, good point. You know, some people, uh, yeah, I've had that question when I've mentioned my projector before. And they say, well, you know, people say, well, just put it on a smart outlet and just, you know, have the outlet turn on and off. Well, it doesn't work that way. This projector right. does not turn on automatically whenever it gets power. So it turns on to standby. Yeah. But not and I do not want to have, right? I do not want to basically to turn off my projector. I don't want to just yank the power out of it, which is what a smart outlet would do. Right. It right. needs to do a proper shutdown to turn the projector off. Yeah. Yep. So those are the reasons why a, a, a smart outlet's not going to work on those situations. So really, I have no other option at that point for controlling it, except for what we're going to talk about here in a moment. Um, but let's start. Let's start on. Let's start on the HomeKit side, and then we'll okay. go over back to the IR side because they are going to kind of come together in the end. Um, let's talk about HomeKit first. So as an Apple HomeKit user. You're wanting to bring in other devices that are maybe Google or Alexa compatible devices into your HomeKit environment. Okay. There is a way to do it. So we're going to talk a little bit about a product called HomeBridge. Brian, I'll take it. You've not ever played with this, correct? I have not. I have okay. not. No. So I'm going to show a little screen what it looks like. This is the website. First off to note, HomeBridge is a software product that will run on a computer, on a Mac computer. So that's right away kind of provision number one you got to keep in mind is that this actually has to be running on a Mac on your home network. Right there, it might be a little prohibitive to people that don't want to dedicate a Mac computer uh, to just sitting there running. Now, you can run it on a Raspberry Pi. You can run it on some other things. You can even run it on Windows. You can run it on different computers, but you do have to have a device that's always going to be on in your home network to run this this platform. Okay? Okay. But so. Okay, mm -hmm. so just just to clarify, you said well, you're, you're it has to be, be on. A lot, you're going to have a lot. You're going to have a lot I, of questions. I, you know what? Because I'm going to pretend like I'm riveted by this. I was um, hoping this might be like a 15 minute episode, but I can tell yeah, from no, your questions. Oh, okay. No, we're going an hour on this. I'm okay. not sure. We yeah, I'm not sure we've ever had the opportunity <laughs> to do that. Right. So, uh, so you question? were saying that as long as you have a device that's on, whether it's Raspberry Pi or Mac, right? It just needs to stay on. It needs to be a constant hub for what yes. you're doing. Right. Correct. So that particular hub, even though you're looking at something like HomeKit, which is Apple, you know, right, you could run a Raspberry Pi to do this. Yes. Okay. Correct. Okay. I yep. just want to clarify. Yep. Yeah. Got it. It's even showing right here all the different Linux, Raspberry Pi, Mac, Windows, all of those. If you have a computer of any of those types that is sitting on your home network that can be plugged in or yeah, you can do it over wireless. They recommend really having it kind of hardwired, plugged into your your internet, your network in your home. But it needs to be on all the time. Okay. Um, and that's because 
you want to make sure that this service is always running whenever you need it to actually do something that you're going to ask it to do. Uh, if it was only on a few hours a day for whatever reason, or if you're running it off of a laptop that's not always on, well, you know, then when you try to use the functionality, one of the remotes we're going to talk about in a minute, it's not going to work. This has to be running to make all the HomeKit connections work. Okay. The way they support, the way they pitch this, which I love, is HomeKit support for the impatient. <laughs> people who don't want to wait for a device to be HomeKit compatible. They want to go ahead and use it. You found a great smart device at, at Best Buy. I want to use it in my HomeKit environment. Well, this is the tool to do that. Okay. So HomePage is free. It is an open source platform, meaning it is, there's a community supporting it and developing it. Pros and cons of that. Pro is it's free. You can yep. download it and install it. I had it installed in about three minutes. Easy to do. The con is... Uh, you know, it's going to go through a lot of updates. It's going to get updated a lot. Um, if something doesn't work, you're kind of having to go online on your own to go figure out why and get your own support for it. But, you know, if that's something that is exciting to you or interesting, then this may be a good good solution to, to go on. Yep. So HomeKit, home I'm sorry, HomeBridge, bringing HomeKit support where there's none. It's even saying, you know, hey, it's got a lot of plugins for things like Ring cameras, which are not right now HomeKit compatible. Um, the Hues, the, uh, you know, the uh, Philips Hue are not always native. Some of the original ones are not native HomeKit, and some of the ones you can get different versions are not. Uh, Belkin Wemo, like some of the Wemo plugs are HomeKit compatible, but other Wemo devices are not. So anyway, it's just letting you know, these are all ones it can like plug into right away. The way HomeBridge works is that you install it on this computer and it's running on that computer all the time. And you then go in and install plugins into HomeBridge based on what devices you want to connect to your home, your home network. Okay. So let me, let me show you what this looks like, Brian. Um, Can't wait. I can tell you're super excited. (laughs) Um, All right, here we go. So this is what, when you run HomeBridge on a computer, this is what it looks like. It is in a web browser screen, but it's taking a, basically it's running on the computer the whole time. And in HomeBridge, you're able to go in, you, you install HomeBridge on the computer, and then you have to use that QR code and you snap it with like an iPhone. And that will then automatically add your HomeBridge network into your HomeKit network okay Okay. so you're basically connecting it at that point so anything you do on homebridge will then automatically show up on your home kit network so the home kit becomes almost like a hub that gets recognized by you know home home Home, sorry home bridge becomes a hub hub that it recognizes right so it's Just HomeKit like when recognizes you add, HomeBridge, but HomeBridge when you add a bridge or a hub device to your HomeKit yep. situation, that's what it sees this as as well. Okay. Yep. Yep. And it's it gives you a nice interface saying, "Hey, it's up to date. It's running," and then it'll tell you, you know, kind of how much memory it's using. All these other geeky things. It's kind of nice to see about it, but it's basically letting you know it's working, it's running. You can honestly have this just minimize and running in the background of your computer, but it does need to be running. You know on the computer yep. itself. So with the way this works now, if let's say you've got this installed, you've connected it to your home kit. So on my home kit, if I pull up my phone and go to my home app, 
anything I add to this home bridge will then automatically show up as one of the cubes on HomeKit as something I can control. So then I have to go into my plugins. And plugins are where you're going to add plugins specific to different devices you want to add in. So let's take, for example, the, uh, was it the Philips makes the hue? Yes. Uh, let's see. I might have spelled Philips wrong. Okay. So the Philips Hue device, for example, you know, the, those light devices, let's say if there's some of those Philips devices you bought that are not HomeKit compatible, if you can go in, once you've got HomePridge installed, you can actually search for a plugin that will give you the compatibility to, to connect with it. Now, good and bad on this as well, this whole plugin community. There's a lot of plugins out there, tons of them. I haven't found a device yet that I haven't been able to find a plugin for. But the home, the plugins are all written by individual people, users. It's kind of, you have to kind of bank bank on them that, you know, they wrote something that's yeah. going to be good and work. And obviously, if there's something broken, it's not like you really have a support line to call to or find out how to fix it. Luckily, they do a pretty good job of letting you know when certain ones have been verified by the developers that made them. But I just typed in Hue, and I can see right away there's a Homebridge Hue plugin. Homebridge Phillips Hue Syncbox, which is mm-hmm. HDMI Syncbox, uh, the Ambient Hue. A lot of different plugins I can play with. And all you have to do is simply say install. Okay. When you install the plugin, it's going to go through some code. This is where I told you the code was going to come in because it's basically going through and it's downloading the plugin and installing it into your home, your Homebridge setup. And then in theory, if all goes well and you got the right plugin installed, you will see buttons then appear on your home kit that correspond with this device that you're installing the plugin for. Hmm. Okay. So the Philips TV, this is what I'm actually going to Hugh Phillips TV. And again, I don't know what I just did. I, I don't know what this <laughs> is. I just chose one. So I have no idea what product this is actually working for. But basically, it's allowing that to now be a box that's being added to your home kit. Okay. So now I see in my plugins, I've got that Philips TV Hue set up in there. So in theory, and again, this is all a lot of testing and trial and error because, again, there are so many plugins, you got to find the one that's going to make the most sense for the project you're looking for. But in theory, as long as you've got Homebridge running, you added this device, then on your home kit, on your home app, you now will have a button that kind of maps to some of the functionality you could do hmm. through a smart device with that, 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 that product you just added. Nice. Okay. So that's pretty good. I mean, that's, yep. that's pretty nice. That's and, and, and as you can see on the plugins again, if I just typed in, uh, what was another pro, uh, um, Wemo. Yep. Yeah, there's a Wemo and there's a Wemo three-way, which I think is like a light switch. Yep. Um, yep. So a lot of options to plug in. I can always go back to my status and just see how everything's looking. It's telling me, hey, your plugin's out of date. So I can go and update that because it says right here, update is available. So I could run an update to it right now. Very easy. So it's, it's once you get the hang of this interface, it's, I mean, it's still a little daunting, but it actually is self-running. I don't ever have to go in here 
once okay. I've started. I was going to ask. Yeah. No. I was going to ask you. I honestly, this is the first time I've opened it up since I configured it, you know, over a month ago. Can you set uh, it for auto updates? Yep. On, mm-hmm. Okay. So it can continue to update itself. You don't yes. have to worry about. So, and does it, sorry to be in the weeds on this, but do auto updates, can it be set to do auto updates in the middle of the night when you know you're not going to be needing it? Okay. Yeah. And if your computer um, is set to restart, like, you know, just Mm -hmm. if you leave your computer on, but you want to have it do a restart every night, this is set up as a, as one of the extensions of the load and system startup. So you don't have to worry about going in and starting it up or anything. Nice. Mm -hmm. And it just all runs in a web browser. I mean, if I, I've got a button to restart, I can restart the whole home bridge if something was going weird and not working right. I can just tell it to restart the whole system on on the computer, or I can you know log out. And if I log out, then it's just this is the screen I would pull up whenever I open up a web browser on that computer, and I can just log back in. All right. Okay, I like so that it. that in itself, it's pretty good. Homebridge, I think it's a really cool cool system to work with. Again, you may have to get your hands dirty a little bit with some looking up, you know, uh, different plugins and finding out there's different things you have to key in or type in on those plugins to make them work the way you want. Each one is handled a little differently. But the architecture is cool. And to know that you could add just about any name brand smart home device that's not a HomeKit compatible device and make it work with your HomeKit network. Okay. Now let's, let's go to the other side. Okay. Let me, uh, the other side of the coin we talked about, and then we're going to bring them together. The other side of the coin is regardless of if you're using HomeKit, Alexa, or Google, you've got an older piece of technology or a technology that doesn't use smart device uh, capabilities at all. It just uses traditional IR remote controls. And we want to bring them into our smart home environment. Okay. So let's talk about that. There are devices that you can acquire that are meant to basically act as a, let me see if I can bring this up. Um, act as almost like a universal remote to bring IR controlled devices capable of working with your smart home setup. So this is an example. It's a pretty popular one. This one is from a company called Broadlink. It is a small little device. This is how big it is when you put it in your hand. Hmm. Small little device. You connect it to your network, your Wi-Fi network. You have an app that works with this device. You connect this device to your Wi-Fi network. And then you can go into that same app and you can basically have it configured to learn your different IRs and it has a database of all these different IR remotes. So it can find your remote and kind of uh, sync up with the settings it gets up in the cloud. Basically it can, it will learn your remotes. So then the idea becomes it can work with Google or Alexa. It can actually show up on your Google home network or your Alexa home network and any devices that are connected to it through the IR can now become capable for you to work with in a Google or Alexa home environment. Okay. Okay. So this, so this little, this little device is recognizing the IR. Yes. Recognizing it through the air. So you you need multiple of these, right? With a house that has multiple. 
multiple rooms. Yes, rooms, rooms yeah. that but potentially may have. It has these. a good capability to to capture everything in a single room for sure. Okay. Yep. So think about where you would normally kind of, if you had a remote control, where you would be pointing, that's kind of, you just have that in that general direction. But now what it's doing is it needs to be able to have some visibility to your actual components that you're trying to control. Yeah, It's less important yep. than what the remote control, because the idea is that you don't use a remote control anymore once you get this set up. Okay. You basically, so for example, my projector, the one back here I gave this example earlier, uses an IR remote. If I wanted to, and I was not on HomeKit, if I was on Google or Alexa, because as you can see at the bottom of the screen right there, there's the little um, logo for Alexa. There's the little logo for Google. There's no logo for HomeKit. Okay? <laughs> but if you are on one of those networks or one of those architectures, I could go in and say, okay, little guy, I want you to learn my projector remotes controls. And it's going to yep. search and say, oh, I see the projector on my database and I've got the controls. So it's going to load them all up. So then when I go into my Google or Alexa, um, they are now capabilities I can control through that, that home network. So just like you see here, I mean, here again, got happy family sitting on a couch. The guy says, hey, Alexa, change the channel to ABC News because he's got it programmed where that TV remote they would be using to change channels on their TV is now being controlled by Alexa because of that little device. Okay. So this is X as a bridge between there. Now you have to go in and still have it learn each of your remotes. There's a process right. to do that through the app and say, Hey, here's a remote. Uh, if I remember correctly, I think it's even somewhere it kind of, you point the remote at the little IR blaster here, the little device you could learn and it. You have to yeah. do it a certain number of times and it learns it. And then you can decide what key commands from the remote, you want to have mapped to your home uh, Alexa or uh, Google Home environment. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So it's yep. pretty nice. These devices are only like about 30 or 40 bucks. Pretty inexpensive. That's, that's what I was going to ask because, Alan, this, this all sounds very similar to, you know, the Harmony Hub that I have, yep. mm -hmm. which I go in and train or basically tell it, you know, I have this device, this device, this device that are all IR compatible. And I want you to be on Wi Fi and connect, you know, grab anything I do with Wi-Fi, send it out via IR. But that's pretty expensive, right? The Harmony Hub is pretty expensive, you know, say 200 and something dollars for a remote plus the the Hub Blaster. So this this potentially you could do multiple rooms, you know, five rooms and have, you know, five of these things and still be out better price-wise than the Harmony Hub would be, right? Yes. I'm looking right now to get you an exact price on it because I'm... okay forgot how much it was um the little mini that i just showed you is 25 mm -hmm. bucks perfect yep so and it does not need anything else right it's independent on its its own it will connect via wi-fi and receive the ir yes so just one of those alone will automatically allow you to be able to to control at least within that room mm-hmm that's great. That's correct. Yeah. Yep. So that's a great device. I love this. And I do have one here I'm using. Uh, it works great. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, if I went into the app that came with this device, I could see all the devices I've got running and, and learned IR functions for. And then I can see where I can connect it to the Google or Alexa home network and have those functions mapped over. So again, if I want to have voice command saying, hey, Alexa, turn on the TV. And in the app, I've got TV labeled. 
and it knows the buttons on and off for the TV because it learned them from the remote, then it works with your voice or you could work from uh, your, your app either way you want to do it. Yes. And once you, once you can control it by Google or Alexa, then you got things like um, timers of when you can turn on and off things automatically set routines or schedules for things to happen, which is all really cool. Now you brought up a good point earlier about, you know, there are some functionality things you need to keep in mind before you can control an IR device with a smart home setup. Good, good example. My projector, if I told it to turn off through a IR, through a remote control, it actually, you have to hit the button twice mm. on my remote to turn it off. Now, granted, if you hit it once, I think there's a long timeout function where it's going to wait to see if you press it again, that it will eventually, I think, will start trying to turn it off. But some devices, you actually, like projectors especially, you do have to hit the button twice. So with that, that becomes a little weird because you would tell Google, hey, turn my projector off, and it's going to send a command to that IR receiver to turn it off but it won't send it twice in a row, which is what your remote would normally have to do. So some little, little things you'd still have to kind of test out and find out how it's going to work for you based on your device and how your IR remote works with it traditionally. But yeah, it's great. It supports over yeah. 50,000 IR controlled devices. Um, everything from air conditioners, fans, audio components, all of that. Okay. Hmm. That's so that's great. pretty cool. And there are other manufacturers that make devices like this, but I will say, I think you go and look, Broadlink is kind of the one that most people gravitate to because of its form factor and its size and the fact that it's a pretty pretty robust little device for not a lot of money at all. But like just like it. anything else, you have to do a little, you got you to do some programming or not programming, like coding, but you have to do some, the learning process. You'll have to go through the steps with each of your device. But once you get it done, it should work pretty well. So it does not have any kind of built-in uh, type your name, type the type the device in, and it recognizes here's all the settings that it need to happen with that, or you need to manually teach it each thing. I think you have to you have to manually like do the pointing the the remote okay. to it, the learn function, and then it walks yeah. you through and says, okay, press power on, press power off on your remote, and it learns it. But then what it does is once it gets the signal from your remote, it downloads from its database. Huh, all okay. of the functions on that. So you don't have to go through and program every button. You uh, just have to okay. connect it one time with the IR and then it goes and finds it on its database and says, oh, I know this remote has these 20 functions. So now these are the 20 functions you have available to work with. So for the for the listeners, those who have maybe looked at or want to know the difference between doing this and getting maybe a Harmony, Harmony Hub, um, the Harmony Hub will have a an app that you can go into that, you type in and say, I have a, a Toshiba TV and it's this model number. And it, it, if it has it in its list, you click it and it automatically uh, creates all the, the settings that are, uh, uh, that are, um, that it knows are going to be with that TV. So that's, that's a benefit. However, I have noticed that that doesn't always get updated appropriately. So you may, you may type that in. It doesn't necessarily come back and, um, always be correct. You still have to go into it and tell it a few things. You know, as you mentioned earlier, if you have a double click or a double a double press on power in order to turn it off, you may have to go in and tell it, say, "Hey, when I do this, I want you to do this plus pause two seconds. Do this again 
And that's what I want. Even though I press one button, I want you to do four things, right? The Harmony Hub will also do that. Again, price-wise, uh, it's more expensive. Uh, if you're talking about a, a hub right there, as Alan's shown on the screen, without the remote, I mean, that's $100 for still handling one room, right? This is still going to be something that would would work with one room of devices. So as a, you know, opposed to doing multiple 25, you know, 25 of each. So, you know, my, the one I have is the, sorry, Alan, you can scroll up a little bit. Yep. Go, go right there. So I have the remote, the um, down, sorry, down a little bit right there. What is a companion? Yeah. yeah. Harmony companion. All right. That's what I have, which allows me to potentially control it with a, uh, with a phone, or I can also control it with the the handheld remote, which I love a physical remote myself. Um, so that's great, but that's you know again that's one hundred fifty dollars right now. Well, and, and it's also compared to right now they're not available. Uh, Harmony ah, has yeah. discontinued a lot of their, yep, or Logitech's can discontinue a lot of the Harmony devices. So all the ones right now you see on the website are not available anyway. Yep. So if you're really keen on wanting to get IR remote devices on your home network. Yes, the Harmony solution, I think, is a lot more, probably just easier, and, and it's going to make sure. it a kind of a, a better, sleeker way of doing it. But you're going to pay a lot more if you can even get one. Yep. Um, the other device, 25 bucks, you, know, you have to kind of go in and do a little, do a little back-end work to get it set up right. But it'll do basically the same thing without a physical remote that it comes with. You still have to use your smartphone to control it or use your voice whatever you choose to do, just like you would any other HomeKit device or, yeah. or not HomeKit, Alexa or Google device. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty slick because we, you know, I imagine most people have some legacy type devices where they have a, a remote that they use with a, a DVD player or they have a remote mm -hmm. they use with an air, air, air conditioning unit, something like that, that sure. it would be great to start transitioning to voice only or at least and not and, it, and maybe maybe i'll jump in here real quick and and tell people it's not just about creating voice opportunities it's it's about when you start to make things into a wi-fi system you now have the ability to do sequences of things you have the ability as you know as alan i'm sure is is working towards you know theater time right movie time you know you say movie time and five, six different things are going to happen, right? The lights yeah. go to this, the curtains go to this, the projector comes on, the you know speakers turn on, all of that stuff, right? And mm -hmm. so that's really the beauty of this is, as Alan's mentioned before, automation, you should be thinking about sequencing things and making things a lot easier to do. Yeah. You know, long gone are the days where you need to go into a, a TV room and pick out five different remotes turn them all on and, you know, then try to remember which one you're going to be controlling yeah. the TV with. Right. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah exactly. That's, That's the whole goal here. So in the, if, as I look at my, my room set up in here, I've got a projector that does not work with any smart devices. So I've got to connect it by the IR little device here. I've got, uh, I've got a sound system that does not work with smart home devices. So it also works on the IR, but my lights in the room, are home kit compatible or so or home. So again, I can bridge them all together to your right. I can have one sequence, one command that will do a combination of both 
smart home devices and IR devices now being controlled at one action, which is kind of the holy grail. That's there, pretty slick. You know? Yep. That's pretty but slick. Now I just mentioned something about how I did some IR functionality, but I did it through HomeKit. And you may be asking yourself, Brian, well, I thought you showed me that that little IR um, receiver does not work with HomeKit. So how do you do that? Okay. Oh, Alan, how, how do you do that? So I was waiting. I was setting you up mm-hmm. for that question just so you yep. could prompt me back. Yeah, I, I, um, I saw on the edge of my seat. Yes. So <laughs> just like I showed you on Homebridge, where I was taking and come back up to, let me bring back up my Homebridge again. The, the little Broadlink little uh, IR yep. device to pick up those signals. If I'm a HomeKit user and I'm using Homebridge, which I explained earlier, there is a plugin to allow it to work with the Broadlink RM Pro. I downloaded okay. the plugin. So think about this, what this is now doing. So basically, I am adding capability to my home HomeKit setup to where any device I program through the IR receiver will now get passed through and show up as a button on my HomeKit. So my projector behind me, because I've got it connected and going to IR through the little IR receiver, I've got the IR receiver connected to my home bridge. <laughs> my home, now there's a button I programmed to have on my HomeKit app that says turn projector on and off. Yeah. If I hit it, turns it on. And even better, when I hit it to go off, I've programmed it, which I'll show you how in a minute, to do two power offs in a row. So it actually truly does turn it off. Exactly what I want it to do. Yep. So now I can sequence everything in my house. I can have sound come on on my sound system, projector come on, lights go off, all with one command on my home kit. Right. Alan, did you have to go in and tell it like a timing of those two presses? Did you have to yeah. like space yeah. it out? Oh, this is going to be the fun part. Okay. okay. This is, this you is, this is, right. this is the geeky part here. This is where it gets really, <laughs> really deep in the weeds. Okay. Yeah. So any, any person who's still with us, which just, you know, listen, don't God even bless just, you. Right. Yeah. We'll see you next time. Take yeah. care. Bye-bye. Feel free. Feel, <laughs> next, free, to, next feel week, free to watch us later when you can't sleep at night. Next okay. week, we're doing our brothers and tech suggestions episode. It's going to be a lot more fun. <laughs> come back. Come back and join us. Come back for that. If you're still here though, let me show you what this looks like. Yeah, I'm in so, down, down like a really stiff drink of bourbon here, Alan. And so I'm still I'm still committed. All right. I'm still committed. Okay. All right. So here's the I'm deal. I'm not sure I'll remember any of this that you're telling me, but that's okay. Carry on. To make this all work together, I have to go in. And because this particular plugin has to use oh, a configuration oh editor, you have to go in. Okay. <laughs> I have to go in and there's a way that Anytime you press a button on an IR remote, it is technically sending a long string of numbers to that other device that it's trying to control. That little IR receiver box is getting those codes. The key is I have to go in and find out what codes are being transmitted and put those codes into this HomeBridge plugin to make it all work. There you go. Take a drink. It's it's look at these things, Brian. Okay. 
This is the code for my projector. I'm telling it it is a switch that I want it to work. I mean, it has an on and off state. That is the code that is transmitted whenever you press the on button on a IR remote control for the projector. This whole Alan, long for the, for the audio listeners, do you want to read that for us real quick? No, I don't. <laughs> it's like it's like eighty characters long. So it is a long string of numbers. Uh, then for the off, Brian, to your question, here is the code for off, and I'm telling it to send two of them, a send count. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is all things I had to read up on and see what the coding was for all this, but I can tell it to send it twice, one after another, and that's what triggers the double press on an off power button. This is the this is the the tricky part because you have to go in and actually to make the R R the IR or RF transmitter work with Homebridge on this plugin. You've got to go in and identify the codes and then paste those codes into this script. It's not pretty. And it took me a while. It took a lot of trial and error, but I got it. And when you get it, it works and you never have to touch it again, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's, uh, that's the thing about this is it is, uh, there's my audio system to turn on my audio components on and off. That one's a little more simple because it's just a simple on and off on the power switch. So basically, so simple, simple as in that's only about 60 characters, right? Yeah. Okay. It actually, you have to go through a process where basically you are, you put this RF transmitter, this IR receiver in what's called a test mode. And then you take your IR uh, uh, remote control and you click the button you're wanting to get the code for. And when it's in test mode, it's going to display on the status screen in Homebridge what that code is. And you got to copy that code and go and paste it into the plugin. Okay. Um. Yeah. Believe it or not, I mean, I kind of... So how many different... Yeah, how many different... I mean, actually, I I will tell you, it sounds exciting if I had the time to do it. Mm -hmm. But what? how many times... I mean, how many of these different commands did you have to do in your system? Just for the projector? So, you know, it's it's a little bit like... Remember how it used to be when you used to try to program a universal remote many, many years ago? And you kind of had to, like, keep pressing in codes of different manufacturers to see which one works. It's kind of the same idea. Yeah. So basically yep. I put it, put the um, um, IR transmitter in test mode and then say, okay, I'm going to press the power button on my projector and I'm just kind of waiting to see what code comes out. And then I had to go and put that code in and try it and see if that works. Now, luckily, once I got the code, I mean, if the code transmits, I, it shows up. So it's just a little, little bit of trial and error, but not much. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So that's what you have to do to make that all work. Will somebody maybe come up with an easier interface to do this exact synergy? I'm sure at some point, probably so. But for now, this is the way you go and set it up. I'm not, I'm not here to try to teach everybody how to configure a plugin. And because there's a, you got to read the readme files that come with this plugin and kind of see what the format is and see how you plug stuff in more than anything. I just want people to understand there are ways to do this. Uh, If you're really adamant about getting non-HomeKit devices on your HomeKit network, there are ways to do it. And even more broadly, if you just have a home network of any type and you just want an old IR device, old IR remote device on your HomeKit, on your home network, there's ways to do that too. I think too many times we just go in and we say, well, the only things I can do that are smart devices in my home are things that I buy as new smart devices. 
Or, well, I'm a HomeKit user and I can't use these other devices because it's got to be a HomeKit. Yeah, in the simplest terms, yes. But if you really did want to use them, there are tools to let you do it. You got to get your hands dirty a little bit, but you can certainly do it. And the good thing is it's almost free. I mean, HomeBridge is free. That little RF transmitter is like 20 bucks, 25 bucks to get. Right, right. You know, if you think about it, you can actually buy some non-HomeKit smart devices like bulbs or other things cheaper than you can a lot of times home kit devices. So you will save that money back in some of those devices. If you really want those other brand name devices uh, on your home. So, uh, so real quick question. Um, if you had, so you only have one of those blaster devices, yeah, right? I just have one in my den and that's it. Right. If now. you had multiple mm-hmm. that obviously can work on the same system, they would show up as individual hubs, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. But do you know whether if I say, you know, turn on whatever, and it's it, it are both of those hubs going to then blast out the same signal? Yeah, they probably will. Okay. Well, no, no. Um, no, you can tell it which which hub is blasting the signal. No, yeah, yeah, you can. Yeah, okay, right. okay, you can because part of the code in that plugin is it identifies the actual which RF hub? transmitter with yeah. its own code. So you yeah. could have multiple of those as long as you've got the code for each one. You can say, all right, for this, when I press this button, I want to send it to this coded RF transmitter, send this long code um, to yeah. turn off that device. Yeah. yeah. But also keep in mind, That's even nice. if it did blast out to all of them simultaneously, it's only going to be picked up by wherever the device is that actually is meant to get the signal. You see what I'm saying? Okay. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, right. Yeah, assuming you don't have multiple devices that are kind of right. responding to the same thing. True. Right. Yeah. It shouldn't yeah. be an issue. Right. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, for under a hundred bucks, you I mean you could technically have a, a receiver like this in all your key rooms and program anything that you would normally use a infrared remote control for and have it work with your with your home setup pretty easily. Yeah. Yeah. Um so yeah, I, I think it's fun and exciting. Again, I totally guarantee that as home automation continues to grow in popularity, somebody, they will create a way to do everything I just showed you on the coding side a lot more automatically and allow all devices to kind of feed into a home network a lot, a lot more easily. And I know too, that they're rolling out new standards of home automation. The whole, is it plaid? Is that the. Yeah, I think so. And I thought that was, it got delayed as well. Yep. Yep. There's Plaid and there's another one that's coming out that's kind of even Apple and Google and everybody's all signed on to. Right. Support. And I can't remember what the name of that is yet. But yeah. yes, eventually I think everyone is going to be on a similar standard. Um, but it just so as you showed, right, it's for the impatient, right? It's for the people right. that don't want to wait well, and it, This may be like that one or two year kind of window of time where, you know, if you really want to get everything tied together, this is the way to do it. Right. And then hopefully when everybody gets onto a more common standard, in another year or two, I think they said delayed it to late 2022 when they would roll out this new standard. If I remember correctly, the news I saw this week, um, mm-hmm. that's ideally where we want to be, but we're not there yet. So this is a good way. Again, like I said, get your hands dirty. It's very detailed, a lot of trial and error. Uh, I spent a good part of a day just kind of playing with everything and just making it work. But once I got it working, I mean, it works. I don't have to go in and change anything i don't have to go in and tinker with it it just works so then the only thing will be is if i want to add another device to the whole system then i have to go through the process again but you know right now i can walk into my room tell uh 
tell uh, what's her name to mm -hmm. turn on my projector and uh, turn on my sound system, or I can, I have them all one command say, yep, it's movie time and lights go off. Projector comes on, sound system comes on and it's great. It's uh, kind of what I've always wanted out of the situation. So yep. Uh, yep. there are ways so, to do it. My message to everybody, there are ways to do it. Yeah. Well, and I think, and I think specifically there are certain components that I think some people are going to be not as eager to get rid of that they've spent a lot of money on high-end stereo, yep. oh, right? Yeah. Component systems that have a remote, but you know, why, why would you go and switch that to a Wi-Fi enabled, you know, thing just to be able to put it on your network, no. right. To be able to have it come on and play Marvin Gaye whenever you yeah. say, let's, let's get it on. Right. I mean, I think that there's lots of things that you may want to do, but this is a great, this is a great way to not have to get rid of some of that great equipment that you have, that the only limitation at this point might be the fact that it's an IR um, an IR blaster, right? In an old school remote, a regular remote. Right. Yeah. Sound yep. systems are a perfect example. There's so mm -hmm. many, I mean, sound systems, you put a lot of money into a good sound system, you know, 20 years ago, uh, you know, other than maybe needing some different adapters on the back to plug into different uh, components, the sound is still really good. Oh, still great. I mean, there are people still yep. kind of swear by their older sound systems. Yeah. You, there's no reason to go and upgrade it just to get something that's going to be controlled by Wi-Fi If you can, throw a $25 yep. device and a little bit of a little bit of sweat equity into it and you can totally make it work. Yep. So to be able to control your older 25 year old stereo system from your, your mobile phone, volume up, volume down, switch inputs, whatever you want to do to know you could do that with your voice or with a mobile app is pretty cool. Again, yeah, you still can use cool. your IR remote. It's not like right. this eliminates that. It just gives you more options on ways to control it now. Yeah. Yeah. And just, you know, as a comparison. So when I use the Harmony Hub, Alan, you you came to my old house when we were using mm -hmm. that. We still had a receiver. And so when we clicked on that we wanted to watch TV, the TV turned on, it turned to a certain input. The receiver came on because we had in ceiling speakers, which of course means you need a receiver mm -hmm. uh, to be able to do that. It came to, it went to a certain input. The volume would now be controlled by, you know, the, the receiver, not the TV, all of these things, all of these things would happen. And that all happened with a Harmony Hub. This just sounds like a less expensive way to do exactly that, um, it is. which is great, which is absolutely great. Um, right. So. And, and again, the reason I went this route instead of even looking at the Harmony remote app version or route, it wasn't even really the cost. I mean, yeah, I love the fact that this is a lot cheaper. Yeah, is that I knew that I could build it into that home bridge, right? With more right. flexibility. I don't. I mean, I, I'm sure there's probably some plugins to make it work with the Harmony remote somehow, but it just seemed like a much cleaner solution for me to just say, all right, let's just pull it down to just this small device, plugging into yeah. home bridge and get a plugin to make it work, and um, and it does. So, uh, and so when when home bridge updates the plugin for your blasters do you have to go in and redo anything or it you know do you have no. to go in and find your 80 characters again and no them? Mm -mm. okay no um no not at all you, you do an update it runs it all now okay. granted i always you know kind of check and make sure it didn't break something i mean it's no but the intention is not that you have to go in and reset everything up yeah, um, yeah. but it's again good. we are using software that somebody wrote on their own free time and put up on the internet for all of us to download and use. So 
I just say with word of caution, you're getting into open source software, you're getting into community based software. I love it, but just keep in mind, you, there's no 800 support number to call or no online chat to talk with somebody. If you have a problem, you're getting this for free, but you've yeah. got to take with it the risk that you are using stuff that other developers, not big brand name developers have, have generated for you. So, yeah. So we, we should kind of catalog this episode with when we talked about Plex, you know, the, the ability to be able to kind of create your own open, so, you know, open source software mm-hmm. to be able to have a media server or um, let's see, we had a couple others that we um, were doing the same thing. We were trying to kind of create our own environment going a little bit, you know, off the grid a little bit to be able to make this happen. So the beauty is there are ways there. If, if cost is a, is a concern, you have equipment already and you want to be able to kind of go backwards compatible and be able to control certain things, but still have uh, some of these features. I think this is, this is great. Um, you know, even, even though it's something you came up with, I think it's still really good. Uh, so, Thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah anyway, like I said, we went a little deeper on this. There's, it got into some. There was there's some code on the screen. There was some, you know, uh, a lot of a lot of text, a lot of numbers. But more than anything, if anybody stuck around to, to watch this whole thing, just know there are some capabilities um, to do some of the things you want to do yeah. with your home network. More than I realized were available when I first started getting into it myself. Um, I'm now not so frustrated when I go to Best Buy or any other store and look at different um, uh, smart home devices, I don't automatically say, well, I can only, I can only get these three products here. Cause that's the only three that are home kit available. I can now look at a broader scope and say, yeah, well, there's ways I can use this. I, there's ways yeah. I can tie this in or not feel like I've got to replace my older equipment that uses infrared remotes. I can extend their life a lot more, which has been kind of yeah. nice and comforting to know. So and just reminding people, if you are concerned about the very first thing Alan said about you need a computer that is always on and dedicated, not necessarily dedicated, but is always on, is in yeah. a location, going to stay there. Go back and look at our, go back and listen to our um, our uh, Raspberry, Raspberry Pi, Pi. Yep. episode, Absolutely. right? Super inexpensive. You can 50 have it. bucks. Yep. 50, 50 bucks. bucks you could have up. a little Raspberry Pi running Homebridge. Yep, sitting you know just in a cabinet or closet somewhere. Because this does not require a lot of processing speed. This is not a, a heavy processing device that is needed. All this is needed is just to be able to yeah take it. Wi-Fi information and spit out code, right? I mean, it's it's a pretty well, pretty simple just, task. Yeah. Just FYI, I'm running my home bridge on my same computer, an old old Mac laptop that is probably uh, eight years old right now. And it's also running my Plex server. So so that's it's sitting in the cabinet. It's running, it's just always on. Yeah, laptop is overkill for it, but I didn't have any other use for it. It was a little too old to be using for day-to-day work, but it runs a Plex server great. And then I just put this home bridge on top of it and it's hmm. it, it does great. So that's, that's great. what I'm doing it for. Yeah. Very cool. cool. All right. Well, Sweet. that's gonna wrap us. That's all I wanted to share with you today, man. That wasn't nearly as boring as I thought it would be. Um yeah. I appreciate that. I, mean, I, I really, you said to me. yeah, I really, really expected time. to be sleeping on this one. So yeah, that's good. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually intrigued. I, uh, I might, yeah, don't want to go to your head, but I might look into the some of these options yeah. for myself. I'm not a, I'm not a home bridge person, or I'm not a home kit home person. Kit, yeah. 
But I like the idea that as Apple moves forward and knowing that I am a Mac person, knowing that I'm an iOS person, that HomeKit may be the way that I go as it continues to mature. So it's nice to know that I don't have to get stuck with some of my old devices, not being able to use them. I was going to say that would be ideal as if somebody was looking to adopt HomeKit, yep. but didn't want to have to wholesale or replace all their devices. This is definitely the way to do it. So yep. Yep. Uh, cool. Alan, right, uh, Joe, sorry, real quick. I'm, I just made me think of something just real quick. Can a, can a Alexa device chime in to a the home kit that you are setting up the 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 home bridge i mean it will it take that sort of wi-fi information from dots that i already have or something or those those uh communication devices those will need to be updated yeah. and go to home kit okay yeah it's yeah, the peripherals, I, peripherals that can be that can communicate correct. It's peripherals that would be that are able to communicate with Google or Alexa's or Amazon's home network can now communicate with Homebridge. But yeah, Homebridge can't dialogue with uh, Alexa dots or Google uh, home devices or anything themselves. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Okay. Well, Brian, if somebody has some questions, we have an email address up on the screen. Info at the mesh.tv. Yeah, info at the mesh.tv. I mean, if anybody is actually still listening uh, at this point, um, you know, more power Hi, to Dad. you. And, Dad's uh, yeah, that's, right. <laughs> that's right. And I'm sure he left it on and just couldn't figure out how to turn it yeah. off. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Alexa, turn off this podcast. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yeah, info at the mesh.tv. You can and tell us. Uh, you know, tell us if you've used something like this or if you have other alternatives uh, of yeah. ways of getting around this this issue. Uh, maybe it's from the, you know, the Alexa side or the Google side. Uh, but we all, we're always intrigued, you know, as we go through our process, we're trying to, to give solutions to other people without just having to buy new devices. You know, it'd be nice yeah. to have some solutions to, to fix what you do, um, make it work the way you want to without um, spending a ton of money. And as you can see, we have a website, uh, www.brothers-n-tech. Uh, uh, sorry, the bourbon is, is flowing bourbon really is well. In. He is, uh, doing well. It is flowing. Um, so come and check us out. And we've got old episodes, uh, access to that, as well as... Uh, uh, we're going to have some reviews and we're going to have the ability to, to eventually contact us through that as well. So uh, yeah. check us out. Good. All right, guys. Thanks for watching Brothers in Tech or listening to Brothers in Tech, whichever you're choosing to do. And uh, next time we will be back with a Brothers in Tech suggestions episode. Ooh. So that'll be fun. We always look forward to yes. coming in with our own suggestions of tech we want to recommend to the audience that we're playing around with or we're liking now. So that'll be fun. We'll do our suggestions on the next episode. So. We'll talk to everybody next week. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.